As if the aspiring city had become puffed up in the very ground on which it stood, the ground had so risen about Bleeding Heart Yard that you got into it down a flight of steps which formed no part of the original approach and got out of it by a low gateway into a maze of shabby streets which went about and about, torturously ascending to the level again. At this end of the yard and over the gateway was the factory of Daniel Doyce, often heavily beating like a bleeding heart of iron with the clink of metal upon metal. Down into the yard by the way of the steps came Daniel Doyce, Mr. Meagles and Clennam, passing along the yard and between the open doors on either hand, all abundantly garnished with light children nursing heavy ones, they arrived at its opposite boundary, the gateway. Here Arthur Clennam stopped to look about him for the domicile of Plornish plasterer, whose name, according to the custom of Londoners, Daniel Doyce had never seen or heard of to that hour. It was plain enough, nevertheless, as little Dorrit had said, over a lime splash gateway in the corner, within which Plornish kept a ladder and a barrel or two. The last house in Bleeding Heart Yard, which she had described as his place of habitation, was a large house, let off to various tenants, but Plornish ingeniously hinted that he lived in the parlour by means of a painted hand under his name, the forefinger of which hand, on which the artist had depicted a ring and a most elaborate nail of the genteelest form, referred all inquiries to that apartment. Parting from his companions, after arranging another meeting with Mr. Meagles, Clennam went alone into the entry and knocked with his knuckles on the parlour door. It was opened presently by a woman with a child in her arms, whose unoccupied hand was hastily rearranging the upper part of her dress. This was Mrs. Plornish, and this maternal action was the action of Mrs. Plornish during a large part of her waking existence. Was Mr. Plornish at home? Well, sir, said Mrs. Plornish, a civil woman, not to deceive you, he's gone to look for a job. Not to deceive you was a method of speech from Mrs. Plornish. She would deceive you under any circumstances, as little as might be, but she had a trick of answering in this provisional form. <laughs>